much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore, And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 88 Of Horror Business Horror Business and for this very special episode, with this very special number, it's a special number because 1988, uh, Youth of Today sing about it, and Chuck Russell's version of The Blob came out, we are joined by the better half of Cinepunks, Joshua Alvarez. Hello, hello, horror business. What's up? There he be, there he be. I sent you guys a beautiful recording of myself singing your theme song today in corpse paint that I purchased in makeup paint. for. I bought eyeliner i bought an eyeliner pen just to be able to do that for you guys and where did i use it i used the eyeliner pen on my lips because i am not a drag queen (laughs) and i don't know how to do things so i just was like well if i just paint my lips with this stuff it'll look like lipstick so i did that shit because i love both of you guys very dearly thank you you're welcome you're welcome i I appreciate that (laughs) it was fine yeah i know I know. I have a face for. I really. Like I, I actually think. I actually think your makeup looked good. I could tell that you were like, kind of like, oh, whatever. But I think it looked good, man. You look cool. Thank you, Liam. I was trying to channel Ink and Dagger, Liam, from that time that your blood sugar went crazy. And we were watching Ink and Dagger play, and you were talking about like hot dogs and chicken feet. It was weird. It was awesome though. Just saying. I don't think that I don't think that happened. I don't remember that. Happening. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes it so good. <laughs> You're like the cat's in the bag. Inca dagger. We're like, what? What's, why is that guy wearing face paint? It was awesome. It was so good. I mean, at that point, I almost had none left because Mr. Sausage had thrown an entire like Fago bottle of fake blood into my face. <laughs> So I just looked like I had been punched in both eyes at that so point. So good. You were like you're like a, a, a wild raccoon just thrown. It was awesome, man. It was one of the cool and that's what I was channeling as I and you should also know, my a beautiful and lovely wife, she enjoys watching on the YouTubes uh drag queen makeup tutorials by Trixie Mattel. Sure. So I Oh yeah, yeah. I watched a, a tutorial on how to do corpse paint. On the YouTubes. So I did that shit. <laughs> Just saying. I appreciate that. Yeah, there you go. I mean, they don't account for glasses. I'll say that much. Can you wear corpse paint? Uh, no, I, the one the one year for Halloween, I think like six or seven years ago when I dressed up as King Diamond, there is, uh, after I went to a Halloween party, there is a really cute picture floating around of me with friend of the podcast, Giancarlo DeMarchi's, uh, late dog George of he and I sitting on the couch and I'm dressed as King Diamond with a dog sitting next to me and neither of us are really it's a it's a very candid picture but I'm wearing glasses and it looks kind of cool dude all about it man all about it I also did a bunch of covers wearing the corpse paint I did Simon and Garfunkel's uh, April Come She Will and uh, I did a version of Halloween by the Misfits for the cross keys content stuff for you know Band dad likes that when I do stuff like this for him. So I did it. And um, yeah, it turns out it's really funny if you sing Indigo Girl songs wearing corpse paint. Turns out. Didn't know. Who knew? You know what I'm saying? Did that shit today. Did you 
Did you do any slow gherkin covers? No, I did not. I did not do any slow gherkin covers. But I still have corpse paint, and I still have the lip liner or eyeliner pen, which, by the way, permanent. It's waterproof, so I had to like procure some makeup oh. cleaner from Elani in order to get this ridiculous paint off of my face. So, you know. If I had known you were going to do multiple songs, I would have requested the Maypole song from The Wicker Whoa, Man. Oh, that would have been amazing. Man, you're like six hours you, too late. You singing that in corpse paint? <laughs> That would have been a, that would have been like next level cool. That's not a Halloween song though. But it's great. I don't care. It's a fucked up song. Yeah, it's boy. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All about it. It's so good. We could post it in the spring. It's fine. Mm. I don't give a fuck. Point is, point is, it'd be a cool visual. I still have corpse paint. Is the point? So, you know. Yeah, that's good. Just saying, man. Just saying. Send your requests in now, horror business listeners. Ukulele or guitar. The Harbiz six 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 on Twitter. I got gotcha. you. Send the request in. <laughs> So tonight's going to be a little different. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to throw a curveball your way because it's the fucking time of the year when you got to expect the unexpected. Look, not only is the veil between this world and the next growing thinner by the day until it becomes like wet tissue paper on the 31st, but we are looking down the barrel of a possible second term for a fucking fascist. So things are crazy right now. So we're going to mix it up. Yeah. Instead of doing two movies... We're doing three tonight. Holy shit. Three fucking movies. Three movies. So fucking strapping. So many movies. And we're gonna we're gonna be talking God damn it. <laughs> we're gonna be talking 1978's erotic horny thriller with ghosts. Empire of Passion. We're gonna be talking about Steven Spielberg's masterpiece, 1981's Poltergeist. I fucking hate you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> And then we're going to be talking about Liam's pick, his new favorite movie of all time, 2000 and so-and-so's The Others. This is going to be a split episode. We're going to do, although not tonight because it's getting late, but we're going to do an, uh, another crossover on Cinepunks. And basically, we each picked two ghost stories to talk about. Spookies. which was a cool uh, subject that Josh uh, landed on because I don't often think about uh, what ghost story movies I like and I ended up picking just two random ones and in retrospect I kept thinking later of like oh I should have gone should have gone with this one actually or I should have gone with that one um, but I feel pretty good and I, I, considering we just all picked two I was really happy that I felt like every movie we watched for this, both the three for this episode and the three for Cinepunks, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to engage with, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, the only one I'm a little bummed on is my choice, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Wait, you're bummed on yours? I love both of your movies. Oh, no. I actually we will get to it, but a uh, little, little preview for everyone. I don't think the other stands up. Oh. I think once you know that... I think once you know the trick, the movie becomes way less interesting or fun. Justin, who do we have to thank for this episode, as well as like all of our episodes, really? We would like to thank our patrons who subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> good song. That was very good. Good I liked jam. That. Was that a youth crew jam? Yeah. That was hot. That was not. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, that was because it's just because it's the 88th episode. Actually, you know what? Because it's the 80th episode, I'm going to try to squeeze as many youth crew references into this episode as possible. <laughs> Patreon people, if you are a member of our Patreon circle, 
our click, our our coven, our youth crew, our youth crew. Yes, our crew. Thank you so much. <laughs> your patronage allows us to do this with minimal loss and minimal uh, evacuation of our pockets, and we greatly appreciate it. If you are interested in becoming a patron and you're not already, you can head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Now, it's important that you know that if you subscribe to our Patreon, you will not just be supporting this podcast. You'll be supporting several other great podcasts, including but not limited to Cinepunks, Black Sun Dispatches, uh, Evil Eye. Um, Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Fat Girl Hacks. Tomb of Ideas. Tomb of Ideas. Uh, hang on a second. Rejectus. Help for the helpers. <laughs> Help for the helpers. But it's a ton of cool shit. So if you want to if you want to subscribe and you want to support the arts, head to www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks. <sighs> I really uh, I really took it out of me. Like I feel like kind of exhausted. Do you guys know where I can get like a nice cup of coffee? Yeah, man. Oh, man. Let me tell you about them. <laughs> Essex Coffee Roasters, y'all. Look, if you uh, if you listen to Cinepunks, you know that we recently had uh, a former Bane member, current Be Well member, Aaron Dahlbeck, on the show, and he told us about his life, and he, at the time, sold us on this idea, which is that uh, we could enter to a relationship with Essex Coffee Roasters, and they would be our sponsor, and we would support them. Uh Here's the deal. Aaron, as a touring musician, uh, really quested out on tour for that good cup of coffee. And if you're a coffee drinker, you know that's not always easy to find. Uh, and that experience inspired Essex, which is uh, his uh, his effort to make quality coffee accessible to everyone. And uh, let me tell you, let me tell you, when it comes to quality coffee, every effort was made. <laughs> oh, man. I should have seen that one coming. Um each order is uh, roasted to order so that the coffee is as fresh as possible. Uh, and they're invested in education, going out of their way to help customers know the best ways to brew at home um, and really explaining uh, the differences between the varieties of coffee that they order. All the coffee is specialty grade. And uh, I, I, right now, we are pleased to offer you a 10% discount if you use uh, the code CINEPUNX, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, at checkout that is c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x at checkout essex coffee roasters 10 percent off holla at your boys yeah it's pretty dope liam's been drinking it right you've been drinking it right since we got the discount i've ordered like three times i go through a lot of coffee so um you know i like coffee and it doesn't keep me up so i drink it you know first thing in the morning it, it wakes me up a little bit but um, I can drink it at night. I'm technically drinking it right now, and it doesn't like keep me from falling asleep for whatever reason. So um, I can kind of drink it all day. So I go through a lot of coffee, and I'm glad we got that discount. And I'm glad that I'm ordering coffee from someone I know, and the coffee's really good. You know, so that combo of like, oh, you know, this is from a friend, and it's quality coffee, and uh, I got a cool T-shirt. All that's cool. Wow, good for you. Very I didn't cool. get any of that stuff. That so, sounds awesome. Well, you should have ordered some fucking coffee. Yeah, I should. Maybe I'll order some coffee when I get home. Hey. have, I, have <laughs> On the last episode of Cinepunks, Michael Verdan ordered coffee while we were on the show with him. <laughs> That's fucking dope. <laughs> so cool. Thanks, Verdan. Uh, episode... speaking, speaking of cool t-shirts, if Essex uh, knew what was good for them, Justin, where would they get their shirts printed? Oh, man. If only I knew a place in the Lehigh Valley that created apparel. Hmm. 
I don't know where he would go, though. <laughs> Probably the Easton T-shirt company, right? Probably Easton T-shirt company. <laughs> no, you fucking turkeys. He would go to the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, the premier screen printing company of the greater Lehigh Valley area. Now, Liam, if I said to you... Yes. 2022... Can't come fast enough because Pat Toomey would no longer be my senator, and he's not running for governor. And right. he he should be shamed publicly every day for the rest of his fucking stupid withered life. I can agree with that. Where would you say I, I go get that shirt made? <laughs> oh, that all that is going on a t-shirt, huh? Okay, yes. uh, I'm gonna say you go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations X LVACX dot com, where they can help you. Not only figure out your your dream, your design dream for that very important statement, but can help you figure out what kind of apparel you want that printed on. <laughs> now, if you want to, if you want that T-shirt like on a pair of booty shorts, where that's on the butt, <laughs> they can get that made. Perfect. A scarf, a sweatpants, a Dr. Seuss hat, whatever it is. Tall tees. Short tees, for that matter. Short tees. The last time me and Melani saw Big Frida, part of her merch was booty shorts that just said "dat as a z z" on the butt cheeks, and it was amazing. I did not Chris purchase one. I did me. not purchase one. Just saying. Them shits is cool though. <laughs> so if you if you run a band, if you're in a band, or you do a podcast, or you. I don't know, run a, a like a fucking leftist gun club. If any of that, you do something, you need a t-shirt. <laughs> or pins, or a koozie, or a jester hat, you can head to www.xlvacx.com. And here is the best part about all this. Chris Reject is a neurotic, crazy person who loves money, but is also uh, pathologically obsessed with doing a good job. <laughs> to the point of where he will put his own well-being on the back burner. So if you go there and you have a lot of specifications and you want something done right, Chris Reject will do it right at the cost of his own well-being. <laughs> I cannot stress hard enough how you need to go there and get some shit made. When we you go to, we have when to you kill go Chris Reject is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you go there, you not only support our podcast network, but you also further the slow demise of Chris Reject, which we support wholeheartedly. You grease in the skids upon which his life is currently very tenuously resting upon. We all want that. www.xlvacx.com he's not straight edge. No, he's not. I beat you Fuck to him. it. I beat you to it. I love you, Chris Reject. <laughs> Josh Alvarez loves Chris Reject. Just saying. I love Chris Reject too. I'm probably going to see him on Sunday when I meet Bill Mosley again, but that's not going to be there. Now comes the time when normally I would say, Liam, between your bouts of eating pierogies and sausage and whatever <laughs> other weird fucking alien Midwestern shit you're obsessed with now, what have you been doing recently involving horror movies? But I don't need to know that. I don't need to know what I don't need to know what you're doing on the shores of Lake Michigan with. With uh, your strange fermented vegetables in the I'll wastelands take, of the Midwest. I'll take the fermented vegetables, but there are a ton of pierogies in the Lehigh Valley. There are far more pierogies in the Lehigh Valley than outside Chicago. You're, I think you pro, you're protesting too much. 
I'd like to give Just a big saying. up to Yakko's pierogies because them shits are delicious. So good. They Just also saying. sell pierogies at both drive-ins that we went to. Okay. So anyway, good. Liam's out there with his sausages and his um, gavelt fish. <laughs> Italian beef, man. That's what I've been rocking. Italian man, beef. Man, that Italian beef. Anyway. Those Wrigley dogs and the Italian beef at Wrigley Dogs in Chicago is fucking amazing. I went there because of Liam. Just I'll, saying. I'll tell you what, Josh. Yeah, tell me. Liam. Leah Donello really likes a good Italian beef. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Yo, Josh, Josh, <laughs> yeah. what have you done that's horror-related lately? I don't know. I forgot that Leo Donello loves Italian beef should be on a T-shirt. So, you know, that sounds mildly horrific to me, if I may be honest with you, Liam. This um, podcast is officially canceled. It's canceled. We're done. <laughs> We're done here. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to make two of those shirts, one for me and one for Lore. That's it. That's happening. Oh, I'm going to ask Chris Vijek to do it. I'm, I'm going to ask him to ink it with no. his blood. It's going to be so oh good. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's what's happening. Don't tell him. Don't tell him, Lore. Don't tell him. We'll keep it a secret till it happens, and we'll take a beautiful picture with Bill Mosley wearing Liam Donello. Okay. He loves hot Italian beef shirts. Oh, so sick. So good. Um, as far as horror movies go, um, I am trying to do these first time watches. Uh, we had kind of touched upon it in the last episode of Cinepunk. So I watched, uh, I actually watched uh, Friday the 13th 6 on both your and Berdan's recommendation. And uh, yeah, super fun. I enjoyed it. It was okay. Um, I also just recently saw um, the Mortuary Collection. I don't know if we spoke about that on Cinepunks, but uh, I enjoyed we that. We didn't. That was really fun anthology movie starring Clancy Brown of uh, Green Mile fame. Or no, Shawshank Redemption fame. And, you know, he's one of yeah. those famous Highlander characters. Fame. Yeah, Highlander. Might have heard of that one. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed the Mortuary Collection. And I watched Books of Blood on Hulu. It's another anthology movie that's adapted from Clyde Barker books. And uh, that was super fun, too. I enjoyed it. Okay, I mean, you know. Oh, was that was that good? Because I heard mixed things about it from a number of different places. So I wasn't sure what to if I should take a chance on it or not. I wasn't. I mean, I watched it and it didn't like blow my mind like seeing Alien for the first time did. But it was also super fun in the way that it's dark. I like dark horror movies. You know what I mean? Like, I like it when the yeah. horror movie. No, yeah, I feel you. Especially in the realm of the anthology horror movie, there's always a tendency to skew towards the cute and the cuddly in terms of the horror. Think of, like, a Sanrio character with a Halloween mask on. Um, this movie isn't exactly that, but it also um, didn't fall off of its own ego. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it takes itself seriously enough that the horror is effective. I thought, and I, I enjoyed it. I had a really were, good time watching it. Were you a fan of the book? Had you read the books? I guess it's multiple books. Uh, I hadn't read the books, but I remember reading a Clive Barker book that referenced and had like annotations from the books of blood. And I can't remember what book I was reading, but also I remember thinking like, Oh, I wonder what this books of blood is. And I never read any of his books of blood. So, no, Yo. this is a short answer to that. No, I did not. But yeah, I highly recommend to, it. Yeah, you need to. Books of the, the the books of blood are honestly some of the most insane haunting shit I've ever seen committed to paper. Okay, all right, that's a stunning recommendation from Tat Daddy Justin Lore. So I will one hundred percent look into it. That's a thing. 
Tat Daddy and God Dang Virgin Justin Lord. <laughs> God Dang Virgin. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Cool. Awesome. Liam, what have you done? Well, um, did you want to talk a little bit? Because we haven't recorded since then, right? Did you want to talk a little bit about Nightstream? We could talk. Here's what we should do. We should talk a little bit about Nightstream on this episode. And then to fucking, you know, you never, you, you, you give them the first taste for free. Oh, and then we'll do a Patreon on it. That's a really good idea. So I did <laughs> yeah. Nightstream. Uh, Justin saw a lot more things than I did. I didn't see as many things. Uh, but what did I see? I saw Mandibles, which is the new um, Quentin Depew. I don't know what his name. Anyways, uh. point is he does weirdo. He does weirdo movies, and I loved Wrong. I loved Rubber. There's something he did after Wrong Cops that I didn't see, so I don't know if that was any good. But Mandibles is a lot less um, abstract. It's a little more in the real world, but it's also not because it's a movie about two losers who find a giant fly and try to figure out if they can train that fly to go rob banks for them and that's how they're going to get rich amazing and and even though it's now played in two different horror fests it's not really that much a horror movie other than the idea that a giant fly is horrifying it's clearly more like a comedy but some horrifying things happen in the course of the comedy basically does the fly die uh the fly spoiler the fly does not die. Okay. However, if you look up on does the dog die, well, sometimes the fly gets hungry, Justin. Sometimes no. the fly gets hungry. Well, I'm just not how it is, buddy. Now. Just how it is. You don't see it, but you definitely see a uh, a collar that used to have a dog in it is basically how that goes. Um, anyways, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I also watched uh, The Boys from County Hell. Uh, which is not a documentary about the Pogues. It's a <laughs> Irish movie, kind of about a vampire, but kind of not. You know, uh, yeah. I it was great because I forgot that Bram Stoker was Irish. Uh, that had totally slipped my mind, and then when they talked about it in the movie, I was like, "Oh yeah, you were whoa. like, oh, he's a he's a he's a fellow son of Old Lang Sin, <laughs> <sighs> like Liam O'Donnell." Don't disrespect my heritage, Justin. <laughs> I don't actually care. Um, and then, okay, what else did I see? It's been a while, y'all, so uh, we haven't had a chance to record, so I, I, I'm trying to think what else I saw that was... You loved It Cuts Deep. Okay, It Cuts Deep was bad, so that's a bummer. Um, I was pretty excited about it. The f the uh, There's really just three main performances in it, two, guy, two men and a woman. Uh, the female actor, I feel like, is amazing, and I feel like the two dudes are not. And that's sort of my review <laughs> of that movie. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get into it. I'll, I'll take notes and we'll get into it in depth. I, I actually, if anyone follows me on Letterboxd, I actually reviewed all of them on Letterboxd, but I forgot to, to check them out before I came on. Uh, but I thought Nightstream was pretty cool. I didn't have... I, the funny thing about an online fest is that um, it, in theory, it makes the festival more accessible to people. And, and I think that's technically true. But for me... Uh, it's easier for me to go to movies when I've uprooted my life to go to a festival. You know, if yeah. I'm at a festival, I'm just going to go to movies, right? But when I'm home, it's really easy to be like, oh, God, uh, maybe I'll get to that later. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like, you know, I had a pass for the uh, Josh. What was the horror fest that Josh Goldblum helped out with that you, you did it too? Uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, Chattanooga. I had a pass for Chattanooga. I watched one movie. Mm. It's like. What? 
yeah, I just couldn't make it happen. You know, it's and Chattanooga was worse too because I couldn't figure out how to stream it. Whereas uh, I did figure out how to stream it for Nightstream, and it was cool. I, I watched some great stuff actually, uh, and we'll get into it in depth on our Patreon episode. I also wanted to mention um, I saw Save Yourself, which oh, is, is a Netflix movie. Uh, is it on Netflix? I wasn't sure what it's on because I watched it on our thing. Mm. It might be Amazon. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm trying to describe it. It's like a it's like a, a alien invasion movie, but it's kind of twee. And yeah, that's what the, of, just looking at the cover. I was like, oh, is this like Wes Anderson does aliens? Like that's the first thought that I had <laughs> just looking at it. Or like, I mean, oh, check it out. Sofia Coppola did a War of the Worlds. Like you know, I get it. One one hundred percent. 100% I would say that could be a fair criticism, although I would say it's a little bit it, – it, it also is a little bit of uh, – who's our man out of Chicago who does the uh, Mumblecore movies? We did an episode on Joe Swanberg with Mike Palsher. Yeah, it has a little bit of a Joe Swanberg feel to it too, although Joe Swanberg's horror movie is, I think is actually pretty good. But uh, So what it is is the uh, – Wait, it which stars... one was the Joe Swanberg horror movie? Is that Creep? What which one did he do? No, he did he did a horror movie called Silver Bullet, starring Ty West. Never saw it. Oh, it's very good. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Save yourself. Uh, Brooklyn couple, very like uh, early thirties, like uh, on their phones all the time, feeling disconnected from each other. You've I, you know the the dude I've seen in a number of things, but I couldn't tell you is you know. Uh, they're all things for which I didn't really care that much about. Uh, his co-star is in Glow, and I love her on Glow. She's really great. So it was cool to see her in something else. Uh, and so these two folks, they decide to take a retreat uh, where they're not going to use their phones, um, and they're just going to be disconnected from the Internet. And while they're on their little uh, no-technology retreat, there's an alien invasion. And so they don't know about it. They're just hanging out at the cabin. And then they finally figure out that something's going on. They turn on their phones and it's like, oh, no, it's the end of the world. And I liked it because, A, it's pretty funny. But, B, the creatures are these little puffballs a la that episode of Star Trek with all the puffballs. Oh, the, only, yeah. only the tribbles, these, uh, tribbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like tribbles, only... These puffballs have these weird tentacle things they can shoot out that can go through like any like they can cut through metal and glass and they eat ethanol. So they've been like consuming all the ethanol, like all the alcohol and gasoline and like anywhere they can find stuff. But they look totally cute until that thing shoots out and they can use it to just like like at one point they shoot it through a dude's head. And the the combination of totally cute creature design with one little aspect that's horrifying like really worked for me uh and then instead of you know uh, it's it's kind of twee and it's kind of silly and so you expect it to kind of go into goofy fun places and instead it ends in a totally unexpected way that like really surprised me and it kind of brought me around like i was already having fun with it but i went from like oh this is fun to oh i really like this the way that it ended which was just like what the fuck like I, I was just surprised so anyways uh yeah you know if if you're someone for whom horror must always be scary i can't recommend it it's more funny uh than scary but uh i think it really works and i really like the performances uh another funny horror movie i watched is uh the wolf uh of snow hollow oh yeah which i watched that uh, as well i watched that as well i forgot yeah the gentleman who uh 
who uh, did Thunder Road for fans of Thunder Road. Uh, that was amazing. That movie's unbelievable. Uh, so it's he's playing a, a vaguely similar character, but in like a darker, much darker movie uh, in which there's a series of murders that may or may not involve a werewolf. And it's great. I really liked it. I thought it was really funny, but not... It, it does, you know, Save Yourself is clearly a comedy through and through, and the, the aliens are, are a bit of a gimmick. And it's it has dark elements and some really, like, uh, intense moments, but it's it's mostly a comedy. Uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow, I thought, sort of went the other way, where yeah. it's kind of a scary movie that sometimes is funny in spite of itself. There's a couple of moments that are funny, but you don't want to laugh because they're also upsetting. Yeah. And it's really weird. It's really actually kind of a, a strange mix. It, it's it hits actually because, like, it's noted it, it was listed as a comedy horror, and Ricky Lindholm of Garfunkel and Oates fame is in it. So I was like, oh, okay, so we're just gonna get like Devil Baby, like this kind of thing. And then as the sure, movie started, yeah. I was like, it's like funny but not funny, and uh, I'm 100 percent in on it. It definitely felt like funny in the way that real life tragedy can be funny. Well, and he's really good at um, making his characters both the butt of the joke, but utterly sympathetic. Yeah. Like, I felt entirely bad for that dude, but the whole time I'm like, oh, what a jerk off. You know, it's like that yeah, combo yeah, yeah, of, yeah. like, I, I find him charming, but the part of the joke of the whole movie is what a loser he is. So much so that uh, there's a moment where things sort of turn around that I was totally in on just because of the vibe of the rest of the movie. So anyways, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Highly recommended. I finished uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. I thought that was pretty good. Justin, what did you think about Bly compared to Hill House? I haven't even started. I've watched one episode. Oh, man. Mm. I can't wait for you to finish it so we can talk about it on the show. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I liked Hill House better, though, categorically. But I didn't hate Bly Manor the way other people hated it. I definitely don't hate it, and I don't get the hating it thing. Now, I was a little more patient with it because I watched it with Susan, Mm -hmm. who does not usually do scary stuff. So the fact that it's not even close to as scary as Hill House didn't bother me because I I had her sort of as a lens I was watching it through. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that aspects of it I like better than Hill House. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think Hill House is better. And, and yeah. you know, partly because I prefer something that's scary. Uh, and this is, I mean, not that there aren't scary moments. There's one moment right towards the end that me and Suze both started crying because I was like, if this goes the way I, I feel like it's going to go, I am going to be destroyed right now. <laughs> like, yeah. it's going to crush me. Uh, so that, that was pretty effective. But I don't think overall it's that scary. But I still liked it a lot. It's definitely um, like Crimson Peak style. Like there, are, it's like a, almost a romance story with ghost elements to it. I would say. I agree with that. I agree with that. And uh, I also started uh, the Hulu show Monsterland, uh, and I don't know what to make of it so far. The first episode is a lot. It's a, it's an emotional weight. It is a crushing emotional weight, which I was not expecting. So hmm. I haven't yet returned to it because that first episode bummed me out so hard that now I'm like, is this how the whole series is going to be? I don't know if I want to do this or not. So that's about it. That's all my horror stuff. But uh, I am I eventually will return to Monsterland, maybe not before Halloween, but sometime soon. And I can't wait to talk about it on the show. But right now I'm a little, I'm a little not ready to go back to it. How about you, Justin? What have you done that's horror related? Um, aside from Nightstream, which was great. Um, if you want to know what I thought about the various movies, 
uh, I saw, which I saw a total of 13. 13 <laughs> movies in one short film uh, program, which was great. Um, I wrote reviews. I think I wrote like nine or ten reviews. If you want to go to cinepunks.com and check them out. Um, so there was that. I, you know, no big deal. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> I watched a movie the other night called uh, Hunter's Moon starring Jay Moore and Thomas Jane. It's like a werewolf movie, like a home invasion where um, it's sort of marketed as like uh, three assholes break into this house and they get more than they're bargained for. Suddenly the people who live in the house have to team up with the people who broke in to survive a prowling terror outside. And there's a little twist, but it's kind of funny and it's kind of cute. <laughs> um, that was fun. Uh, I also attended a few events at the Mahoning Drive-In. I went with my niece to go see Poltergeist, which is, you know, a very, very rousing and powerful Steven Spielberg film. Um, we're going to be talking about it a little bit. Poltergeist, and I could tell that she was having fun during Poltergeist, and it was, like, just spooky enough where it was, like, she was having fun, but she wasn't, like, creeped out. And I was like, okay, like, I could tell that, like, we've reached, like, maximum spooky level. If you want to leave, I won't make fun of you for tapping out before we see The Exorcist, because that movie is going to terrify you. She was like, okay, I don't want to watch this. I'm okay, let's go. Let's. let's I'm a good uncle. I did I did the responsible thing. <laughs> you know, I explained to her why. I explained to her my dumb theories about... We had a long conversation about uh, direct the style of different directors and the history of Toby Hooper, the history of Steven Spielberg... She had to know about the tragedy of uh, Heather O'Rourke and Dominique Dunn dying. She's 11 years old. It's high time she learns about these tragic things that happen in horror movies. So I had to tell her. You're a good uncle. I'm a good uncle. Like, this girl died from a bowel blockage, and that girl was beat to death by her boyfriend in her, in her, drive, in her driveway. Mm. Bummer. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, also, that's Griffin Dunn's sister. I... That, that sneaks up on me every single time. Uh, I also went to the Mahoning Drive-In for the Thing from Another World, The Thing double feature. That was on Saturday night. That was a lot of fun. Um, little movie called The Thing. You may have heard of it. Never heard By of it. By this guy, John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, and then Sunday night, uh, I went back out to the Mahoning to see... The screening of Fire in the Sky with the actual Travis Walton in attendance. And I can proudly tell you, I did not. I was very cordial. <laughs> I didn't make any uh, well-founded accusations. I kept my voice at a reasonable volume. There's a video of me talking to him. He's a very nice guy. Um, but at one point, uh, my mom went up with me. At one point, my mom was like, oh, let him grab popcorn. I was like, oh, I'll go get it. And it was like the scene in the movie when he gets when he actually gets abducted and they're like yelling at him to get back in the truck. And um, you guys have both been to the Mahoning, right? I have not. I okay. have. So his little table where you could go and meet him and get like a book signed was set up right next to the concession stand. Um, so I'm standing by the concession stand and I'm watching the movie and he is like 10 feet away from me also watching the movie. And... Um, Liam, you've watched this movie with me. You know that I am like a fidgety fucking mess watching it. 
So I'm like watching this movie, being me watching Fire in the Sky, and I could see him like looking over and kind of like with this like grandfatherly look of like bemused, like, is this kid okay? And then like at one point I let out like when he gets like zapped, I let, I went like, oh my God. And he fucking laughed. So Travis Walton laughed at me. Wow. That's a lot. Not my finest moment. <laughs> I'm I sorry, think it's man. pretty good. That sucks. I think it's pretty good. It's it's, it's pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's all I did. That's all I've done involving Har recently. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Joshua's pick. 1978's horny ghost story, Empire of Passion. We'll be right back. back to talk about the 1978 French Jap- Franco Japanese erotic thriller Empire of Passion written and directed by Nagisa Oshima based on a novel by Itoko Nakamura <laughs> I like the fearless way with you just tackled both those names yeah I, I believe don't it's know if you did it correctly it's I have pronounced no Oshima because there's the 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 accent over the oh the first yeah, Oshima. Sorry. Go on. Yes. But wait, 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 wait. Before we, we dive into my John, let's just say we're talking ghost stories today, right? So Liam was like, mm-hmm. yo, dude, like, what do you want to talk about on your episode? And I was like, let's I had all these like shitty ideas as per usual. And I accept that, Liam. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to tell me. I come up with a lot of bad ideas. I never I said with, that. I never said that. I never said it. I think it about my ideas. But then I was like, you know, I think I was thinking about some crazy like, oh, yeah, why don't we do a comparative something, something, something. Then I was like, why don't we just talk about ghost stories? <laughs> and uh, so we each picked two. Right. And um, I love ghost stories when it comes right down to it. Like cinematically, as far as horror goes, I love ghost stories. That's like my favorite, favorite shit. And like all the fun hack and slash stuff is a good time too. But also when they have that like ghost element as the beginning, I think that's why I picked this because that shit always like bugs me and has has me enjoying a movie. Typically. Cinematically Before speaking. we did this before we did this activity and I was thinking about ghost stories, not just the ones that we picked, but then largely about ghost stories, before I started thinking about them sort of in a more constructive way, I would have told you I don't particularly care about ghost stories, really? primarily because I don't believe in ghosts. So uh, when I'm watching a ghost story, it's like cool, and I like sometimes they can like have uh, certain aspects to it, but it's not like it doesn't freak me out. I don't get they don't get under my skin. That being said, in us talking about it, I realized like, well, but if you do a ghost story in a certain way, mm. it can actually really be 
one of my favorites. So I was thinking about we didn't do the changeling because we've already done the changeling. Mm-hmm. But that's like a super effective ghost story. Like that's one that I'm like, wow. Like that's really that's something else. Yeah, you know I don't I, mean? I don't I don't think belief in ghosts is necessary to 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 experience a ghost movie in the way that it's meant to be experienced. Yeah, I would agree. See, sometimes it doesn't click for me. It it, it really doesn't. I can, you know, uh, there's a ton of ghost movies that I wouldn't say a ton, but there's a number I've watched that they never scare me because I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. It's just, mm. I, I think there's a ghost story that relies on the idea that just thinking about ghosts is freaky in and of itself. That's how I feel, much to Justin's chagrin, mm. about Fire in the Sky. <laughs> if you're not scared of aliens, it's not a scary movie. It's just not. Nothing about it okay. is scary. Okay, you're wrong. Go on. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I, I think that there are, there are um, when it comes to ghosts at least, movies that transcend that mm-hmm. and you don't have to be you know so for example uh haunting of hill house is a very emotional show but it's also scary there are lots of parts that are very sort of uh unnerving to me but some ghost stories it's just like you're in a dark room and there's a bump uh and i'm like well uh, okay what shitty movie were you watching where that happened <laughs> There's a. I would say that is the most common thing in any fucking ghost movie. That's like the the thing. More common than the idea that a guy with a knife kills teenagers is the <laughs> bump in a dark room. Name one movie where that happens. Name me a movie with ghosts in it. Uh, Especially in an old mansion. So okay. Poltergeist would not be a good example. Poltergeist, in fact, is... One of the things I think that it, when we'll get to this in a sec, but I think one of the things that appeals about it technically, technically, Liam, uh, if we're going to get technical, which we are, Liam, Poltergeist is not about a ghost; it's about a poltergeist. That's what I'm saying. You, I think because you fucking asshole. Well, first of all, you picked it for the ghost story episode, so that's egg <laughs> on your face, sir. <laughs> second of all, second of all, that's what I was about to say is that in doing uh, poltergeist like this sort of more present phenomena as opposed to like a classic haunting. Uh, it gets to do a lot of stuff that you don't see in movies about ghosts, you know. And I like that. Name, I like that it's different. Okay, so this this hypothetical movie, this hypothetical <laughs> shitty movie where you're in a dark room <laughs> and you hear a bump. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, like, I'm just racking my brain right now, and I'm like, I, I can't. I mean, look, let's put, let's, let's go a whole different direction with it. Uh, and this will be a quick thing before we jump into uh, Empire of Passion. Um, other than the obviously the movies we picked, what are some of y'all's favorite ghost movies? I know Josh has a deep well of love for The Changeling, and I sh- I share that. Although you'll know, you'll remember, Josh. I was unfamiliar with that movie until you loaned me the DVD. Really? I had never even heard of it, and I and I love it. I mean, my love of that movie comes from the Dagger song. You do know that, right? No, no idea what that is. Ink and Dagger have a song called The Changeling. And I but was I like, thought that was, I, that's not just about that movie. Though, no, it's right? not. But then when I, I spoke to certain people about it, like my friend David, he was like, oh, yeah, no, it doesn't have to do with that movie, but I still love that movie. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh, yeah, totally. Excellent. Excellent. But, Justin, um, what are some of your favorite ghost movies? Um, I really like the movie Ghost starring Patrick Swayze. Stop. Did you ever hear about my fan club for Patrick Swayze called Crazy for Swayze? No. <laughs> yeah, there was Crazy for Swayze, and it was about. It was originally going to be about Cody Swayze, his brother, but then uh, I thought it'd be funnier okay. if it was about Patrick Swayze. And then I have my other fan club, the Sons of Vin and the Daughters of Diesel, 
And that is uh, my fan club for Vin Diesel. I hate it. I hate it. Okay, now we got to get back to ghost movies. Um, I don't like. I'm. I'm fucking with you. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of the. I'm not a fan of the Patrick Swayze film Ghost. Um, I don't know. Like Crimson Peak, The Orphanage. Um, is Don't Look Now a ghost movie? Mm-hmm. Um, Poltergeist. Uh, Technically not a ghost you, movie. Yeah, a, but go on. I, 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 do you think? Do you think of Don't Look Now as a ghost movie? No. It's very good, but, but I, 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 I don't know there. what to make it. Yeah, um, like I, I just don't think there's that many great haunting movies in my life. Now, granted, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I really drill down on this thing, there's more that I that I appreciate than I realize. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what ghost movie I don't like. What's that? The Amityville Horror, because it's not a ghost movie. <laughs> Bullshit movie. It's that that movie is sincerely bad. It's just not yeah, a good no, movie. Not my favorite. Um, hmm. I mean, where do you guys see? That's the thing. Like my shit, my one hundred percent ghost story. Like John is straight up Japanese ghost stories. Think about um, oh. think about Akira Kurosawa's dreams. Just the segments in there that right. involve like the ghost yeah. platoon and all that stuff. That shit affected me to a very deep end. And that's why both of the movies that I picked for this episode were Japanese movies because there's something about. Japanese depictions of ghosts. Think about movies like Kaidan. Think about, you know, again, Kuroneko, who's the one movie that I did pick for this. Um, the other one that we'll be covering on Cinepunks. Like these movies just tend to, and even more modern Japanese ghost stories. I mean, like, of course, after like the rain craze and everything like that, like everything got distilled into this, like, oh, black haired lady that's like creepy. Like, I get it. You know what I mean? And that's across all Asian cinema. There have been so many movies about like that trope in particular. But I feel like the effective Japanese ghost stories that do it well do it in such a way that it's seamless between the things that make it human and the things that make it ethereally terrifying. And I think Empire of Passion is is the very distinct pinnacle of that. Josh, why don't you tell people what what is Empire of Passion about? Uh, Empire of Passion is about a province in Japan in feudal Japan era, and um, there are there's a, a couple, and they have a daughter, and um, the husband is a rickshaw driver, and um, the mother stays at home and is like uh, she works for. Um, whatchamacallit um she works for a lady like doing like i forget what what the like cooking or something she's like a waitress or whatever not a waitress that seems stupid but i'm I'm forgetting the words right now but anyway so basically what happens is she falls in love with another dude a rapscallion if you will and they then um plot to kill the rickshaw driver husband and they manage to do it so as to avoid being caught or they're like like lascivious affair and then the guilt of the murder kind of takes over the lady and it it haunts the man and it just it affects them in ways because they're trying to hide their relationship from the rest of the village and um it's it's truly in my mind a very haunting and cathartic movie there's just so many elements to it that could be just details in other movies but in this movie every detail feels like it counts in the telling of this greater like haunting. So I don't know if that's succinct enough of, <laughs> of a synopsis for this movie, but uh, I fucking love it. I love it so much. What did you guys think about it? Uh, I liked it. Um, 
it didn't really strike me as particularly spooky until after, I mean, even after they kill the rickshaw driver and he's like coming back as a ghost, um, I thought it did a really good job of like, this movie came out in what, 78? So, I mean, this is two years after, two, three years after The Exorcist. Mm. Um, they did a really good job of like keeping the, the way the ghost looked very minimalist. And I like that. Mm. He just looked like, he just looked like a, like a vaguely dead guy, which was creepy. But the most fucking haunting image in that is when um, there's like the weird hallucinatory dream sequence where um, the rapscallion, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I'll butcher it again. (laughs) He's being driven by the rickshaw driver and the rickshaw driver turns around and his face fades into like the nothingness, like just the blank white whatever. (sighs) And then just fucking blood starts pouring down. Yeah. That was so uniquely upsetting in such a very weird, subdued way um, that I, I was like, okay, like this movie was like, it was more like depressing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For, for me, the whole, the whole film was very melancholy up until that point. And then I was like, okay, we've definitely stepped into something that's, um, this is now, this is now just like, it's a metaphor for guilt. And we are now <laughs> seeing like, like actual paranormal activity that is fucking frightening. It's so good. Um, and honestly, like a lot, like the it, it made like it's hard to explain the the, the way the 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 the, uh, the 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 sexual scenes made me feel. Um, it was like this strange mix of, um, I don't know, like like a very realistic depiction of like someone doing something that they weren't entirely thrilled on. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, yeah. like this woman obviously was just like into the, like she was into like stepping out, but she wasn't really into like hurting her husband. And meanwhile, like this fucking dickhead she's having the affair with is just like, like why was, the whole time I was like, why him? Like why this disgusting piece of shit who fucking lurks around and just sucks. And there was just this like really upsetting quality to their, their sexual encounters, which were clearly consensual. Mm. But it was obvious that like the woman was like, there was this weird mixture of like, yes, this is getting me off, but it's also kind of making me want to die. Yeah. Like I've always always thought, yeah, like the blend of like wanted eroticism mixed with like, emotional anguish is such a fucking haunting thing when it's done well and i think this movie did it well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i will say the very first time they are together i think it is it walks a line that in 2020 audiences would not necessarily be okay with yeah. like it, it kind of seems that very first encounter she is uh cajoled and pressured a bit more than i think we're comfortable with as modern people mm. and i get the portrayal of it and it, it actually coincides with what justin i think is very eloquently describing of this feeling of like she never can really give in to their love making because she always feels a sense of like this is so wrong like what we're doing is so wrong but i also suspect that's part of the attraction to it is the wrongness of it mm. but that very first scene of them together, she protests enough that I think if if you're someone who has uh, sexual assault PTSD, that would be triggering. I mm-hmm. think it's I think it, it could be pretty upsetting. Oh, even I, even I, though I, she ends up changing her mind, I think it's it's pretty upsetting at first. 
I put to you that every encounter they have has that tinge of sure. Um, I mean, it's like it, it's like I, I've. It, it's, but it's, it's different hard to when explain. she's. It's different when she's begging for it, which she does do at certain times. She but does, but it, it's it's still like there's this this idea where it's like you can see like it's like the you know this the, the this the, the spirit is firm but the flesh is weak mm. or right, the, the, right. You, know, you know what I mean like that's how I like you could tell like physically you know her loins were not girded. Oh my god! I think, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. Tell, you could tell that she should be sent to horny jail, but stop, stop. She understands no, I, that. I, I, I do. I just, I wanted to. I just want to be clear about that because I think that, like, for some people, that sense of regret and fear is actually sexy. I think there are people who are turned on by that, and for, and, and I think that that is relatable. But I think her, like, literally protesting and him just not giving a fuck was a little upsetting at first for mm. me uh, even though it becomes clear eventually that she's like let herself go to it um, I think I, I was watching it going Ugh, this would not fly I think, <laughs> in 2020 now, you know? yeah 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 also, I, I just don't think it would also the scene where he tells her to shave is so upsetting I want it to fucking vomit watching that and that that's, was so... and that's the element that Ugh. makes them want to kill the rickshaw driver and that's like the part that makes it so unsettling, right? Like that's what they were afraid. It's like the marking and 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 then like the the undeniable guilt. It's such a brutal scene. It's I mean, like because they after well, that, that's when they end up becoming accomplices. You know what I mean? Like so that scene I, is. I like, think at that point he's made his mind up, right? Like that's part of why he's pushing her for this thing. Like he's already decided. Yeah, that yeah, dude's yeah, got to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's basically like him making her do that was giving that was him giving himself permission to bring up the idea of killing him because he's like, do this thing for me that I know he's going to notice. And then like it's going to make things awkward for you. He's like, well, I guess now we'll just have to kill him. Like, I mean, so brutal, so brutal. Well, I think for for me, I, I think the anxiety of a secret and the anxiety of living in a way that, you know, is fucked up like you are in this world and you know that what you're doing just isn't okay mm. that in and of itself creates a sense of horror to me like the same way that i would argue that like the talented mr ripley is a horror movie and i know mm. that like it's oh it's more like a drama or it's a thriller and i'm like Ugh, the anxiety that movie gives me that's a fucking horror movie <laughs> that's that's how aspects of this felt to me and then when the haunting started Ugh. it felt very traditional like like very connected to the one or two sort of older japanese films i've seen it seemed to be part of that tradition mm. and i really appreciated that because it's it's an interesting mix of this like very traditional morality tale with a sweaty horny movie yeah you know what i mean and but it's so and funny it really though me- like one of the best parts about when the haunting starts is how the rest of the society just kind of accepts that there's a ghost hanging yeah. around and like that yeah, that's just a ghost yeah that's like part of their fabric you know what i mean and like that shit is so unnerving to me that people are just like Oh well, you know, I saw the rickshaw driver the other day. This is the ghost now. Say what? Like, yeah. and everyone's just like, well, yeah. and they all the the fact that 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 by the time the the police decide to invest, you know, like the one guy's already investigating, but by the time they decide to like act on this thing and punish these folks, the community has basically decided she 
she or he killed the rickshaw driver. Like they're, they're all the weight of public opinion is already there. Where they're like, "That's eh, probably dead. They probably <laughs> killed him." You know what I mean? That that aspect of it too is was kind of crazy to me. And and this feeling of like doom, right? Like they yeah. they are doomed for a long time. I will say what Justin mentioned a very haunting scene. I found all the parts where where looking up from the well fucked me up a, oh, a good deal yeah. because they're beautiful and effective um and th- once the fire starts at her house i was so sure that that child was going to get it that um that was very upsetting for me as well and i was like whoa where is this movie going are we going to get even darker yeah uh, I-, I will say the ending is like really upsetting <laughs> Yeah. It's fucked oh up. My gosh. Holy shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it does not end well. Does not end well. Not to spoil a movie from, you know, back then, but I'm just saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ending is a bummer. I think it's well we're well within the rights to spoil it at this point. <laughs> I do love the fact I, I I I don't know how like if I was like looking too much into it is but when they were um trying to get the confessions out of them and uh like first off, there there's there's something brutal. There's something just that just gets to me about the whole idea of knocking someone out or someone passing out from whatever reason, and then like you waking them them up, and then immediately like fucking with them again. Um, I once heard a story about Stickman knocking a guy out in a public restroom, propping him up on the sink, splashing water on his face, and then knocking him out again. Um, so that was like in my head when I was watching that scene. <laughs> That's a great then, story, like, by the way. Most people think about then, Stickman like, when watching a movie by uh, Oshima. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, like, there was just the scene when he's like, I did it. It was me. Let her go. Like, he does this selfless thing. And then she's like, oh, it was me, too. And he just shoots her this look of, like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. I just I just put this on the line for you. And, like you're you're not like i this i just sacrificed everything for you and you're fucking squandering it and that just made him that much more fucking insidious mm. to me yeah. because it was like he thought you think oh he's doing something noble but then it was like oh no he's pissed because like she's going to have to see it was for nothing like he was expecting some sort of like um altruistic reward or something like that for doing the right thing but nah he's uh He's pissed that it was for nothing. <laughs> well, and what the what the fuck was she gonna do? The idea that he would do that, and then she's what gonna she's gonna be fine now? Uh, yeah, she's uh, yeah. gonna exist. A, in a this blind society. mother who everyone knows was having an affair. She doesn't have a future. His whole uh, noble sacrifice is bullshit from the beginning. It's just that uh, the whole ending is so upset. And that part, too, where they're trying to uh, dig out in the well Ugh. is so gross. Fucking it's not oh my God. gory, but it's so gross. It's it, it's like, oh, there's just, oh, my God. It was just not, yeah, just like the muddy corpse was just like, get the, the fuck out of here. Yeah. I also got to say, dude, her getting her eyeballs poked out was such a bummer. <laughs> I've seen a lot of Fulci movies and I've seen them a Crazy. lot and that's still I was going to say up. that was some Fulci shit yeah, right man. there. I was like, "Oh boy. Wow. Yeah, this movie is haunting." Well, I think I, it was because it was it was something that should be harmless made harmful. Yeah. It like something about that got under my skin. Ugh, so brutal. But I adore this movie. I'm so happy you guys watched it for this episode because I love this movie and I feel like a lot of people don't talk about this movie nearly enough. 
Except for apparently Michael Sarah likes it, which, you know, okay. But um, I'm just saying, like, this movie is pretty much... This movie epitomizes everything that I love about Japanese ghost stories with a little horny stuff thrown in there. Oh, wow. For good measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this has the you, total you, package. In you got to have the horny stuff. Uh, yeah, I get it. Everything in its place. But this movie, pretty, well, I, like I, I said, I, it epitomizes everything that I love about subtle Japanese horror. And it's the DNA for what makes current Japanese and Asian horror in general very much my bag. I, I definitely feel you on the DNA aspect. I will say that I think some people have come to expect a certain level of, um, I don't want to say jump scare, but, you know, that camera trick horror from Japanese horror. And this film does not have that. Mm. That between Japanese and, 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 and also Korean horror, there were some of the first people to be doing some of these things that are like um, considered like... Uh, old hat now you know like mm. the person in a shot or uh you know you, you know like reflection sisters yeah yeah when or the person's under something or they were doing a lot of that shit long before american films were doing it as often you know yeah and you can read about jump scares in the upcoming uh, upcoming edition of this justin where i'll be talking about yes. some of my favorite jump scares <laughs> so i i will say this film doesn't have that but the spookiness of it the kind of like emotional weight of it like you'll notice like um yes i think it's probably true of most ghost stories that they're they're often tied to some kind of like familial pain but it just seems with some of these asian ones there's so much of a pile of like uh family trauma social judgment class like it's like everything in this one big tragedy uh, folding in on itself mm-hmm. and we get that here you know that that those combinations of factors you know and and one of the things that i think it's worth an audience asking itself is like why why is this guy just wandering around without a job and nothing to do you yeah. know like what is it to what extent is this story about his not having anything worthwhile to do with himself you know what i mean yeah and how does that enable him to be this person you know and 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 there's an opportunity there for some compassion for him right he takes care of his brother in some sense Mm. but does he really take care of his brother like it's it's an interesting uh, there's some interesting social stuff as well as stuff around trauma going on here that i think you can see like that's the trend with at least a lot of the stuff that i've watched that uh uh asian horror i've watched especially out of japan tends to involve these like deep tragic issues yeah. in something that could just be like uh, a, a spooky story. Yeah, I agree. Justin, anything? No? I've got nothing, no. Okay, All well right. I guess we'll wrap up then. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it a lot too, Josh. I would definitely recommend people watch it. I don't, I agree with Justin. It's not, it, it, there's not a lot of tension in it for me. But, oh man, there were some really upsetting parts and I like that. I like that even though I, I didn't have to cover my eyes or anything like that, which uh, I'll admit, sometimes I have to cover my eyes, guys. That's the yeah. thing I got to do. Hey, man. Sometimes that's I like, cover my eyes a little bit. That's no shame well, in that game, buddy. I was, I was listening to your you, the Cinepunks episode you guys did um, on horror movie marathons. All were solid choices, might I add. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and w- when you, Liam, when you brought up the autopsy of Jane Doe, if you remember seeing that in theaters with me, 
I was covering my fucking eyes during that movie. I started to do the yeah. thing. I do this sometimes when, I, when I'm when i really involved and I really want to know what's going to happen, but I am feeling that level of anxiety and I don't want to scream. Like, Because you guys both know that jump scares make me actually scream, you know? Yeah. And so there was a point in, 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 in Autopsy with Jane Doe, I was doing the thing where I was squinching my eyes up so I could still see what was happening, <laughs> but I could close them really easily if I needed to. It was crazy. As an Asian man, that's yeah, exactly right. I live all the time, but go on. Stop. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> we we won't talk. We won't talk about. We won't talk about the famous jump scare in the theater where Liam shrieked and leapt out of his chair. <laughs> uh, was that during Hereditary? Uh, no, that was during It. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, anything else to say about uh, Empire Passion? No. How did you feel? It's on uh, Criterion Justin? Channel. Watch yeah, it. Justin, was this your first Criterion Channel watch or what? It was yes. I actually, I actually, because I have, um, oh my god, Coroneco, Coracano. Yeah, Coroneco. Coroneco. I, I I own that on physical medium on standard definition Blu-ray, and I also own the Devil's Backbone on standard standard definition Blu-ray. Um, but I was like, you know what? It's like eleven dollars a month, <laughs> and there's a lot of shit in there I'd like to see. Not beware the blob. Okay. Um. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. So I got it. Man, welcome to the bourgeois. You've made it. Yeah. <laughs> Leveled oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely don't use it enough, but I'm very glad I have it. When I do use it, I'm very glad I have it. Yeah, it's like the main, between that and Shudder, those are the two main things that I watch stuff on these days now that I am blissfully unemployed. I, uh, I've been definitely doing a lot of like color of pomegranates and like stuff like that on, on Criterion that I just adore but that's for a different conversation who would like to go next well i guess we'll take a break uh, right justin yeah we'll take a break and then we usually go chronologically so we can do steven spielberg's magnus opus poltergeist coming up <laughs> 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 all right sounds good all right we'll be right back to talk about 19 <laughs> 19 1982's uh, 1982's American Supernatural Horror Film directed by Steven Spielberg and written and produced by Steven Spielberg uh, Poltergeist I hate we'll you right so back. much The house looks just like the one next to it and the one next to that and the one next to that A young couple live in it Give Ken a kiss <laughs> You are so amazing with their three children. <laughs> and something more. Experienced any disturbances lately? What kind of disturbances? I don't know what was over this house. I've never sensed anything like it. That thing is in there with my baby. You're hungry, 
Now Steven Spielberg crosses a frightening new threshold into a world within our own. Its form is revealed. What is it? Its focus is clear. And we are back to talk about 1982's American Supernatural Horror Film, directed by Toby Hooper and written by producer Stefan Spielberg. <laughs> Poltergeist. Good. Now, a little fun fact about this movie. When I took my niece to see it this past, uh, not this past weekend, the weekend before that, she pronounced Jobeth Williams as Jobeth Williams. She was like, what kind of name is Jobeth? And I was like, what? You're like not dumb. Like you're a smart kid. <laughs> Who would name their child Jobeth? What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, that's adorable. Can I just say that's adorable? It is. I mean, you do something similar when you keep mispronouncing Toby Hooper as Steven Spielberg. <laughs> uh, no, that's correct. I know I'm a guest on horror business, but I don't know anything about the Steven Spielberg, Toby Hooper thing. It's not like I because, I, because I, you're because you're not a crazy jerk off. That's why. Oh, is that what it is? I mean, I are you are you implying that I am a crazy jerk off? Maybe. No, it's just okay. So there's this for years. Let me be clear about this. I I don't think that. Like I, I I think this movie looks very much like a Steven Spielberg movie, and I do think that Steven Spielberg very likely had a heavy hand in maybe sometimes directing certain scenes, but. I don't think it's. I don't think Toby Hooper didn't direct this movie. I just say that shit because it upsets Liam. And apparently, <laughs> people on Twitter, not everyone, like, but yeah, there's one account that's very upset about it. Literally, Josh. Literally, in like two minutes, a uh, friend of the show Ryan Sawyer was like, "You guys better be careful because um, poltergeist, poltergeist facts." Poltergeist thoughts might see this, and then within like two minutes, like literally two minutes, this dude jumped on and was like, "Fuck you guys for making fun of Toby Hooper's like coke addict, coke addiction, and all this shit." And I was like, "Holy fuck, this dude Whoa. is like for real out there." Is that what happened? Is that a thing? I, I mean, I, there's a ton. It, there's a ton of rumors about yeah. about why Spielberg might have had a heavier hand. Now, you know, officially, a lot of people are like, this is crazy talk. Toby Hooper directed it, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, there is, re- I mean, you know, it, it. I will totally buy into the fact that this looks mildly different than every other Toby Hooper movie. Like, I would agree no with other that. Movie I would agree like with this. that. Yeah. It, and- uh, but I also would, would, but then I also am like, less willing to buy into the theory because Justin is, I, I always know Justin's kind of messing with me when he says it, but there are people who 100% believe that Spielberg directed the movie almost entirely. Like and frame my, for frame. And wow. my feeling on that is 
my feeling on that is then then he would have made two scary movies, and I just don't think he was capable of that. So, uh, well, no, no, okay, well, that's I mean, that's one hundred percent my theory is that it looks like a Spielberg movie because Toby Hooper, you know, was influenced by Spielberg, but it's scary because it's a Toby Hooper movie. Yeah, I mean, it did like, I mean, the whole thing comes from like. Spielberg wanted to make this scary alien movie and Universal was like, yeah, but what if he didn't? Like, what if, he, what if the aliens were nice? And he was like, well, I still want to make a scary... Like, so basically, like, Poltergeist is the idea of, like, a family under siege from, like, otherworldly forces. He took that idea from Night Skies, which eventually became E.T., and he put it in, in you know, he was just like, they're ghosts. They're not aliens. They're, they're fucking... They're spooky ghosts now. Mm. Um... And because, I mean, Steven Spielberg is like a very, the only reason he didn't direct this was because he was contractually obligated not to. Um, and there were people on set who said like a lot of times he was sort of like a, um, what's the, like a second unit director uh-huh. on the same set. Like if Toby Hooper was busy doing something else and something needed to get done, Spielberg would be like, all right, here's what I want done. Toby, is this okay if I do this? It's okay if I do this. All right. Uh, you tear your face apart and act like you know, like it's it sucks. <laughs> but I get why. I think the reason people are are sensitive about it is because Toby Hooper does not have the clamoring armor army of fanboys that Steven Spielberg does. Mm-hmm. So as much as I think it's it's actually what Justin uh really thinks about it is very fair. Like it's clearly different than any other Toby Hooper movie. Yeah. I also get why people are sensitive about it because it's like, well, you know what? Toby Hooper doesn't have a lot of when it comes to the general public's perception of Toby Hooper, there is Poltergeist and there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and there is nothing else. Mm -hmm. And so to take it away from him, I think hurts people's feelings. And I get that, you know? I guess, but it's like, I mean I've said numerous times it's it's like Toby Hooper like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not my favorite movie, but I do believe in my heart of hearts that that is objectively the greatest horror film ever created. And Toby Hooper made that for like five dollars. <laughs> and you know, it's like you know, I, I, I even if he didn't, okay, let's let's say, let's let's say hypothetically that Spielberg did direct Poltergeist. I don't think that takes away from Toby Hooper's legacy because he still made a movie that is a lot fucking better than Poltergeist. Uh, in every way, in every way, like I don't consider Poltergeist a masterpiece. Where Texas Chainsaw Massacre is to me, like, should be in a museum. Like every frame of that movie should be in a fucking museum. Um, I just don't think everyone is there with you, man. I think a lot of people prefer Poltergeist. Well, that's on them for having shitty taste <laughs> movies. That's not my problem. I'm just saying that's why they're sensitive around this issue, and I feel them on that. And for me, my thing is like, I, I, I'm not joking. I'm not just being a jerk. I think if you take away Jaws, right? Uh-huh. I don't think Spielberg has done that many things that are scary. Like, I just don't think like even the scenes no, in he's... Jurassic Park that are tense are not the level of. There, there are parts of Poltergeist that even as an adult, having watched this movie a hundred times, mm. they happen and I'm like, fuck, man. Like, yeah. fuck. That had to be Toby Hooper. I just can't accept that like this Steven one Spielberg. time Spielberg was like, here we go. I'm going to reach you to your nightmares. I'm like, <laughs> no, I just don't think that's who he is as a dir- or was as, as a director then. And I don't think he's there now for sure. Mm. Noted. But I do think, I you know, I, I do think Spielberg... Um, 
I mean, that's that's that that I, I think that's my I'm not going to say my problem, but I, th- I think that is the mm, the tragedy of St- Steven Spielberg is that like he definitely has the capability of like creating horrific things like, he, you know, one of the one of the sh- stupid counter arguments against like Steven Spielberg couldn't have directed Poltergeist. It's a horror movie. And it's like. Yo, he was gonna make a movie where children were vivisected alive by fucking aliens. Like, don't don't say that he he doesn't have it in him to make a horror movie. He made Jaws, and we don't know what happened to Richard Dreyfuss after the end of Closing Hands with the Third Kind. Mm. So it's like he can very clearly make horrific shit, and like he wrote this movie. Like, this is a Steven Spielberg um, vision, if you will. And you know, yeah, it's got Toby Hooper's stamp on it. His sweet, magnificent stamp just right in the middle of it. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. Like I, I, but I, just, I, think, don't I just think directing is more than writing, man. I believe that he obviously he wrote it, and I think it very much reflects him in a lot of ways. But I actually think, like, I don't see a lot of evidence of him being, being able to create that kind of tension. Mm. I no, just no, don't no. see it I, in his filmography. I, granted, I, I think Jaws is very tense, but... Um, that's about it for me. I just don't, you know, I think the evidence of Toby Hooper being able to create tension is there, whereas, like, the influence of Spielberg on the movie, it's like, yeah, you know, there are sure as hell way too many lens flares in this movie. So I know Spielberg was on set, but... I also think, I think the scene, more than anything, that that fucking screams Spielberg to me, aside from the scene where we see someone sucking E.T.'s dick behind a dumpster... That's true. Is, that, one, that one, I was that, like, that Spielberg scene, Yeah, that. that's the director's cut. The Steven Spielberg cut. Um, <laughs> the scene in the beginning when they're all watching the football game and there's like the thing with the remotes, like that is such a fucking Spielberg thing. That is sure, such but that's because f- it's his script. Yeah, that, that's what. I'm, but I mean, even the way it's shot, if you, it, it, like the the back and forth between the different guys. Yeah, and, that's you know, true. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that that feels like something Spielberg would do. But then you have a scene like the the, the scene where the guy's like tearing his face off. That looks every inch like something out of toby hooper the scene where the guy comes downstairs and he's like i'm not going back upstairs because something fucking bit me like that is toby hooper mm-hmm. it's there it's just it's it, you, you could you could see like it's a toby hooper movie with just steven spielberg's just et sweated fingerprints all over it <laughs> i mean i will definitely say that about the script like the it, I, i've always thought of this as very much the same as like Goonies or any other like there's a whole universe of Spielberg adjacent or Lucas adjacent movies and this one is undoubtedly that even though I think it's scarier because of Hooper directing Mm -hmm. it's a it's definitely if if someone wants to say well it's a Spielberg movie even though Hooper directed it I'm on board for that. What well, it's it is so Spielberg in all of its themes, in its weird spirituality, like so many aspects of it. I'm like, yep, oh, well, yeah, here's Steven <laughs> doing his thing, um, and 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 even the pacing of it, like I don't know, there's just a lot there, um, but uh, but you know, whatever. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Let's just talk about how <laughs> the movie is fucking scary. Fuck that clown. Um, <laughs> Uh, fuck the big head coming out of the closet. Like, there's, there's just multiple things in this movie that still get under my skin. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the scariest thing about this movie for me, um, well, okay. I, I mean, aside from like the obvious, like the, 
the fucking leering skull that came out of the clo- like it's it, it's it's funny because when I took Brie to see this movie, she was like, "Uncle, is this movie scary?" And I was like, "It's spooky and it's scary, but it's fun. Like you're gonna have a good time. Like I'm not gonna let you watch something that like." I think it's too much for you. And she was like having fun during this movie. And then that scene where the fucking giant skull comes out of the closet. That's when she was like, oh, okay, this, they don't do that again. Do they? I was like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, the weird, horrifying monster that, that, that menaces like Joe Beth Williams. Um, I think the thing that like there, there's this, um, there's just something about the idea of a child being trapped in this yeah. like yeah. realm that is, you know, so close to you, but at the same time, you can't get to them. And that scene right when they're trying to find her and she's like screaming for her mother. Yeah. That just like breaks my heart. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's like gut wrenching in a way that like nothing else in the movie really is. Um, and then, like, there's all the really the really slow burn scenes when Zelda Rubicine is, like, talking about, like, um, the other ones, they crowd to her because of her warmth. And, and, and then she said, there's a beast that deceives them. To her, it's just another child. And just, like, thinking about a little kid being trapped in this, like, weird nether realm. And, it, it, like, not just any little kid, but, like the most adorable child that has ever existed in the history of the world that isn't Maeve. Like, you know, and then you got this, like, monster that's, like, posing as a little kid talking to her, and, like, you know, like, that's, like, fucked up. There's there's just something that's, like, very, like, grimy about that almost. Like, a child is being used as, like, bait to lure in other ghosts. You know, and then we get the poltergeist, too, when we realize it's that fucking disgusting preacher who's a shitty person. Um... But but I, I think a lot of the horror from the, that for, that comes from this movie, like as an adult, I watch it and it, it's definitely got that like child in peril that really gets like really triggers like my paternal like dad panic mm-hmm. that I think is like really this movie is really good at doing that. Dude, I I, I still think that the the swimming pool scene with all the skeletons is the most disturbing image in this entire movie, and no matter how many when times I was I've a seen kid, this, that fucked me up so hard. Dude, that scene and the scene in Indiana Jones when the fucking when they they go and knock over the big thing and the snakes all come out of the skeletons' mouths and all that shit. Those two scenes in particular fucked me up so bad for most of my life. Just saying, it it's that that part. I still it doesn't affect me in the same way but I can feel what I felt when I was a kid, which is yeah. like when, when she's in that pit and the, and the, they're coming up, there was a part of me as a kid that I was like, she can't get out of there. Like, that's it. Like, she's going to just be in the mud pit with the skeletons forever. It like, I don't know why that aspect of it. I mean, for real, I saw this movie after I had been exposed to horror for a little bit, but I was still probably too young. This movie fucked me up way worse than Nightmare on Elm Street, which is so yeah. funny because now I think Nightmare on Elm Street is way more upsetting than this. But when I was a kid, I thought this was the scariest shit that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. And when I finally watched it again as a teenager, it was I had to gird my loins, as Justin suggested in the last <laughs> segment. I had to prepare myself. I had to put on the shield of the Almighty because I was like this is going to get me like, I, what the fuck? Like I had such traumatic memories of this movie. Yeah, me too, man. There's uh, such I, I, a I visceral th- sensation watching this movie in my adulthood that harkens to like a simpler time when this was fucking terrifying to me. 
it also does a really, really, really good job of uh, um, reaching inside of us and, and getting to that fear of like the monster in the closet or the monster under the bed or the monster outside the window, especially like when and this, I never really like that idea of how it's like these children are afraid of like something in the closet. They're afraid of the clown, like whatever. I didn't until seeing this at moaning last weekend. It never really dawned on me. The the, the design of that like creepy tree outside the window Ugh. is brilliant so because good. it doesn't really look like anything. But if you look at it long enough, it almost looks like something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yes. like it, it's it, it's it's like it's like menacing and ominous and threatening in a way that you can't quite pin down. And especially when like the light, like when, when, with the lightning, how it casts it in a whole new light. I just think that's such a small amount. It's like a tiny touch of just like fucking genius set design is to make this like horrifying gnarly tree. And I love how Craig T. Nelson is like, yeah, that's a friendly old tree. It protects us. And that little kid's like, you're fucking high as shit right now if you think that thing's friendly. <laughs> well, and I, I got to say, I got to say too, like it should immediately stick out to everyone, right? Like they're in an essentially manufactured community. Like every aspect of this place, and, and they're really clear about that at the beginning of the movie, that this is one of these new communities that someone has gone to the trouble of like designing for you. You know, this isn't like in an older neighborhood, houses happen haphazardly, and God only knows who decided to put this house here at this time. This place was made for you. So who the fuck thought that tree was a good idea? Like <laughs> I'll tell you who. One of the guys from Return of Living Dead who fucking let the trioxin out of the canister. <laughs> it's just it's just like, you know, every bush and every blade of grass in these fucking places. This is the sort of community that has like a fake lake, you know? Yeah, like this yeah, is the yeah. sort of place where every rock has been manufactured to look a certain way and yet here's this fucking gnarly tree that if you said well this is where we used to hang the witches i'd be like yep i believe that what craig t nelson should have said is was you moved the tombstones but you didn't move the bodies or that fucking tree exactly, because clearly exactly. that is a cemetery tree <laughs> clearly <laughs> I also want to go back to Justin. You were talking about those slow burn scenes with Zelda. I think one of the things for me watching this movie now, I'm struck by, is how absolutely desperate these parents are, right? Because oh yeah, uh, everything Zelda says is crazy. Like I get it. Like things are happening to them, and so they're more open to hear what people have to say about what's happening to them. But she just has a whole cosmology she just lays out for everyone and they all go, yeah, that makes sense. That's right. That sounds like the right I mean, thing. I'd there's a beast and there's other people and they're huddling around our daughter. All that makes sense. And I'm watching it as an adult going, who the fuck is this lady? I don't know that any of this shit's going to work. This is crazy. Do you, Would you say that this movie hits differently now that you're a parent watching it, Liam, or what? Is there any type of resonance there for you? Oh, I mean... Famously, Justin and I have talked about this. I've, I've, uh, unfortunately, since I became a parent, exposed myself to child trauma even more. Like as <laughs> while other people have avoided it. I mean, when I within a few months of having Maeve, I was at the horror, uh, the Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, watching a woman eat her own baby in a movie. So uh. clearly, clearly, like uh, I haven't avoided these sorts of things. Um, I guess it does as a parent. I think the the, the uh, Justin already said this, like that that feeling of um, powerlessness because something has happened. I mean, it, what really struck me on this feeling was the time lapse of it all. Mm -hmm. That they get to a point 
where this has been happening for a while and their lives have been upset for a while and they've been wondering where the fuck their baby is for a while. If this was all within a few days, I think the dread of it would feel different to me because it's like, okay, uh, we have a problem and we're trying to deal with it. But the idea that like we've just had to live with the fact that something happened that no one can explain for a while, that this viewing really got to me like, Oh, this is fucking uh, dying. Yeah, like, yeah. I love how those like re- th- those researchers who actively believe in this shit, they show up and like the lights flicker and everyone's like, oh my god! And Craig T. Nelson is just, he's just like, don't, it's not, it's it's fine, it happens all the time. Yeah, and she's like, just, there's two and then, more like, coming. They're yeah. like, we we have video of this this toy car moving seven feet in twelve hours, and he's just like. A toy car moving seven feet in 12 hours? Holy shit. Like, you're going to see a hundred times as as worse in the next five minutes in this house. <laughs> and then they go upstairs and they see the room where the shit's floating around and all that. And it's just, there's this, like, weird, and it's there, there's the one scene where, like, um, that I think really speaks to the anguish of, of what they're going through is when... They've made it clear that they've they, that they don't sleep in that bedroom. That no one is allowed to go in that room because it's this like weird focal point of just like um, psychokinetic energy with like phantasms and ectoplasm and all that horrifying shit. And there's a scene where Joe Beth Williams goes in really quickly to like, open the door, and there's this just like tornado shrieking noise, and she pulls the door shut and starts like crying horribly and. Upon this recent viewing, I was like, was she hoping that maybe, like, her daughter would be in there? Or she would just, you know what I mean? Like, was she hoping for something different this time around? And it was just, like, is this the only time she's tried that? Like, it really, they do a good job of, like, laying it out on the surface, the parental anguish of what these people are going through. But they also do a really good job, and by they I mean Spielberg and Hooper, (laughs) of... Of of signaling the very deep well of emotional pain that these people are going through. Agreed. Yeah, if I that think, makes any sense. Yeah. I think that's really the spice that makes the the dish work, right? Yeah, is that it's not just weird shits happening, and here's some uh, surprisingly effective uh, special effects for 1982. It's none of that. It's the 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 lived in pain of it all that then makes the rest of it hang together in a way where you're in it. Like you know, if you think about it, like. Once she disappears, there aren't that many big plot points. There's really just a couple of set pieces that get us there. And then there's, of course, the fake-out resolution, which I think is one of the more effective parts of the movie that they're like, no, yeah, we're not going to wrap this up. It just gets worse. I love that. Everything about that works. Agreed. That's probably the best thing about this movie, me like the fake coda. It's just so good. And it hits so good every single time I've seen it. Still throws me for a loop every time. I actually, um, I actually watched the remake of this with my grandfather the other day this, with Sam Rockwell. Oh, it's not that bad. No, I mean it's it. Here's the here's the the worst part. It's also not that good. <laughs> like it's it's the, it's the worst kind of film for me, and that it evoked no real reaction. Like I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> like Sam Sam Rockwell's good. I, but I, you put a gun to my head. I couldn't tell you the rest of this movie. Yeah, I saw it when uh, right when it came out on the screener, and like I forgot about it literally immediately after I saw it. And uh, so much, in fact, that you mentioned, it, I'm like, oh yeah, I did see that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's a really boring movie. Yeah, it's weird. 
right. So I think that's all that needs to be said about Poltergeist. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I I think probably most people have seen it. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I I do think like obviously we sort of made the joke earlier that it's not technically I guess a ghost movie, but whatever. It's awesome. I don't care. It's it works. I guess it doesn't have the like. No, it even has the slow dread of a haunting movie as well as having these explosions of crazy shit like way more yeah. than in other movies. But, Dude, how awesome oh is Craig man. T. Nelson in this movie? He's so good in this movie. He's so, so good. Oh, my God. I love just how exasperated he is for like literally the whole second half of the movie. It's just so good. He's so – ah, he's awesome. And Jabbath Williams is pretty good too. But, um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good. I mean, just because I don't think it's on the same par as like Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't mean that I don't think very, very highly of this movie. You know, it's the scene when when Jabeth Williams and Heather O'Rourke come back and they're like laying in the tub and she's mommy. Uh, it's just like, oh, God, dude. you you are you so sweet little kid. I'm also like, yo, oh. you saw some shit, girl. <laughs> Have some yeah, congratulations. Yeah. You're going to be in. You're going to be in therapy for the yeah, rest of your life. We're not saving for college anymore. Life. We're saving for therapy now. So. Yeah. Let's do this. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 2001's film. Is it 2001? <laughs> 2001's English language, Spanish, Gothic, supernatural, psychological horror film. Whoever wrote that should be beaten with a fucking bamboo stick. <laughs> the others. We're going to be talking about the others. Or as they would say in Espanol. Los Otros. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. As you can see, the housework has been rather neglected since the servants disappeared almost a week ago. Do you mean they just vanished? Into thin air. How do you do, children? I'm your new nanny. Are you going to leave us too? Should I leave you? The others said they wouldn't, but they did, and then it happened. Why have you opened the curtains? It was Victor. You told your brother that there was someone else in the room. There was. That'll do, Anne. I've seen them too. Have? Sooner or later, she'll see them. Then everything will be different. to talk about 2001's Spanish-English supernatural psychological thriller horror film Los Otros, also known as The Others in Estados Unidos. <laughs> now, um, Liam picked this movie, and I want to make that quite clear that Josh or I had nothing to do with this. I do Why? not hate this movie. I don't hate this movie. I like this I... movie. I... 
Okay, I had nothing to do with this movie. Liam picked this movie. Liam was quite insistent about it. I was like, okay, fine, we'll watch it. Liam, let's talk about Los Otros. <laughs> I feel like you're setting me... What are you setting me up for right now? Not setting you up for nothing. Uh, yeah, so the others, uh, starring Nicole Kidman. So uh, we're introduced to this uh, period piece family. Um, the kids are sensitive to light, and uh, Nicole Kidman has brought on some new help. And she is very particular, understandably, since they are hurt by the light, about being very careful uh, around locking doors and uh, protecting the children and how the house is, is maintained. And then slowly there there starts to be very slight at first and then more and more dramatic uh, indications that there are others in the house, uh, invaders even. Um, and... Uh, as the story goes on, it becomes more and more convoluted uh, until it's revealed that uh, actually they're the dead ones and the people who are in the house are, are alive. So, uh, you know, when I first saw this movie, I thought this was like one of the best things that had ever happened. Like the big reveal at the end. I was so. Was this st- the first movie you ever saw if you thought this was one of the best things that ever happened? <laughs> I know. I just really thought it was great. I thought it was fucking brilliant. I was so stoked on the big reveal that they're dead. I was high fiving myself. Like I'm not even kidding. <laughs> is that code for jerking off. <laughs> no, like I was just literally like, "This is fucking great." I thought it was really smart. I thought it was well executed. I thought it, you know, the parts that were. Uh, I, I mean, none of it is like particularly scary, but there's like some upsetting, sort of like surprising things in it. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, and then this was my first rewatch, which is honestly why I chose it because I thought. Well, there's a ghost movie I've been meaning to get, come back to. I want to give it another go. I've heard a lot of people talk about how great it is, and I remember loving it, so let's let's go again. And I think, for me at least, re-watching it, knowing the big reveal, that uh-huh. they are in fact the dead ones, just made it feel a little tedious for me. Uh, you know, I was exaggerating. I don't think it's bad, per se, but a lot of the appeal was gone, and I did not enjoy it as much at all. Josh, you still love this movie. What? What? T- tell me about your love for this movie. Well, the first time I saw it was at the Newport Center Mall in Jersey City, and I saw it with uh, a bunch of my Jersey City friends when I was just about to move back to Philadelphia. And um, it was one of those movie experiences that I remember, like the people I were with were like, this movie sucks, and uh, I figured it out in the first 10 minutes. I was just like, I don't understand why you're talking to me about this stuff still. And it was like one of those like weird uh, pivotal moments where I made like the the turn of like, oh, no, no, no. I'm supposed to be leaving here. This isn't where I'm supposed to be right now. And this movie is oddly a part of that story arc because um, that's amazing. Yeah, I knew at that moment, like even though that was my my set and like my, my crew or whatever, I was I just knew at that point that I wasn't. I wasn't supposed to be there. So this movie in my history has like a canonized like seat in terms of like where I am and who I am, you know? Um, I really love this movie still because of the character played by uh, Christopher Eccleston, the, the, the doctor who character of the soldier that comes back, the husband of uh, Nicole Kidman. Yes. Because, his storyline gives the most haunting reticence to it in terms of like a Jacob's ladder style. Like, is he alive? Is he dead? Is he walking the line? And even though I knew the big reveal going into this viewing, 
that question still haunted me when he makes his appearance into the movie and then is just depressed the whole time. It's such a bummer to think that he's still on the front line in this war and he has this moment where he comes between life and death and he sees his wife and kids. And to me, that's like probably the most haunting part of this movie. And it's the part that gets under my skin every time I've seen it. And uh, this this viewing is no different. Like, I really, really love that that central character and that central moment in the movie is basically like states the rules of where you're at. And um, that said, I still I still do adore this movie. I still do think it's really effective. I think it's beautiful. I think um, it's really effectively shot. It's one of those movies where at the end I was like, man, white people are crazy, y'all. <laughs> like, who's allergic to light? That shit's wild, yeah. <laughs> but um, that said, yeah, I still, I love this movie still. I still enjoy it very much. And um, yeah, way into it. Justin? Yes? What do you think of the movie? It sucked. No. That, that was my, uh, my critic <laughs> impression. Right. No, it was okay. So it wasn't bad. Like it did a really good job. I'll give it points for it did a really good job of creating this really, really overbearing atmosphere of like oppressive dread, which is a tough thing to do. But this movie did it. It certainly nailed the gothic feel of it all. Um, But it was just too much of a fucking bummer. Like when like when Eccleston comes back and it's just I have to go away again. And it was like, man, like, she's all like, you know, she's all fucking horny for him. And he obviously is like, you know, wants it. And now they have to be separated again. And the kids are missing their dad. And like, that just sucks. And then it's like, there's no like, I think this movie had like a touch of cruelty to it. In that the scene when she realizes that her and her family are dead. It's not just that they're dead. It's that she killed them all. She fucking murdered them. And I just think that is like was sort of like a cruel turn that it's like, oh, we've been rooting or not rooting for. But like our like our point of view has been the point of view of a killer the whole time and not just like the killer of like her own children. Um, And there was just something that I felt was this sort of like uh, you could have done something great with this movie and made them like sympathetic ghosts where you're like, oh, man, like because then they're like. The end is all like this is our house now. We're here. We'll be here forever. And you're like, well, I mean, that's the definition of hell. But you know, we don't have time to get into the theological <laughs> underpinnings of it all. It just felt like, yeah, to have her have murder her own children. It it just felt. And it, I, I can't speak objectively because this film was spoiled for me years ago, and I haven't bothered watching it because of that reason. Um, but like, I didn't think the film itself was bad. I just I think that this movie. W- really hinges on that twist and knowing that twist sort of robbed me of that experience and then on top of that was the whole idea of like oh yeah she smothered her children it's like oh okay i really didn't like this i this i didn't this was not an enjoyable viewing experience at all like i'm all for as you guys know having my heart pulled out of my asshole by a movie and then thrown into a fucking river like i'm all for letting a movie completely destroy me but like this didn't feel like it was doing that. It just felt like it was kind of like, yeah, and we know you had tickets to go see like, uh, I don't know, Fear Factory at an outdoor festival. But guess what? It's raining. And now Fear Factory have broken up. So good luck. 
I just I don't know. It was just it was just like a like a washed out bummer is 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 how I would describe it. This is so interesting because your response to it makes me a little defensive where I'm like, well, hold on a second here, buddy. Come on. <laughs> I, 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 I will agree with the central thesis that you have, which is that knowing the the thing, that's that's how I felt, is that it was less interesting. The one of the few things I thought was still effective is the thing you didn't like. I love that she murdered them. I think that's fucking great. Because I think I would have I think I would have liked that more, except that the like if it had just been like if the movie had ended right there, if the movie had ended right there and we were like, this is her purgatory. And that's it. Yeah, there's there's a sense in which this film is about trauma and that she has to come to terms with what she did and live with it. And in her death, like it's it, it it's not quite redemption, but there is a sense in which I think the movie tries to end on a redemptive note that like in in accepting who she is and what she's done and them kind of haunting this place together, that they're, they're both condemned, but also there's a resolution to some extent. And I don't know that that works super well. And I, and I get why it kind of rubs you the wrong way. I will say. Now, it's sort of the opposite of what uh, Josh was saying for Poltergeist, right? As a parent, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You had to kill him. It happens. You know, like, that's just life. Like, Whoa. Yeah. No, I, 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 in the same way that the depressing episode of Monsterland is definitely about a, a, a mother abandoning her child. And uh, I definitely watched it and thought, wow, this is really sad. But I also get it. Like, I get why people get to that point. And I think any parent who says they don't get it is a fucking liar. <laughs> the reality is... You no, get, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, you just do. And so, like, granted, I you know I can't even get myself to get mad at Maeve because Maeve is just, you know, who she is. But I get yeah. it. But I get the idea that, like, being a parent is so hard. If you were already dealing with other kinds of mental health stuff, you could get to a point where you're dangerous to your children. Of course, because there are parents who aren't dealing with mental health stuff who are dangerous to their children just because they're stupid or they're angry or they hate themselves. So like that, that that whole aspect of it kind of worked for me. I do though think that like it doesn't, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, that's so kind of hauntingly beautiful. On rewatch, it felt a little bit like, oh, I don't think you've earned this ending. I think you think you've earned it and I don't think you have. And for me, I actually think, um, I actually think that, um, the story itself is cool because it reminds me of like a weird like flowers in the attic like vc andrews sort of thing Mm. but i just think there's not enough there in the movie now that i know where it's going you know i just wish there was more i just wish there was by the time that the the help reveals their gravestones so that they know it's it just feels like there's not much that got us to that point Mm. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. Again, this is only the second time I've watched it since the first time I watched it, and so maybe it just had grown too much in my brain, you know, because I I really had a positive experience the first time I saw it. And weirdly, it wasn't ruined for me. Like, I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it years later, and no one had ruined it for me. I guess not a lot of people I know saw it, so it just didn't come up. But I, like, watched it. I think on Netflix or something, I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, I, it just really like <laughs> caught me unawares. Um, and, I, and I do want to say, like, I think Nicole Kidman is good in it. I think the kids are surprisingly unannoying in it. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I, th- I think all the performances are, are, are pretty good. Um, 
But yeah, I just it, knowing where it was going, it felt a lot lighter and flimsy to me than it did the first time I saw it. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. That's funny. I I really think that the journey is all in this movie, and I really do. Even knowing going into it, uh, what the twist is, it's still. I mean, it still scares me when she gets the photo book. That shit's fucked up, man. And um, it still scares me when uh, there are there are other. Like the the whole hypocrisy of the Nicole Kidman character of being this like horrifically pious, like type A parent personality. And then the reckoning at the end of it makes that poetic end so like so visceral to me. You know what I mean? Like I I loved it. I still love it. Just saying. I like that we're all over the place on this one. I, I think it's more interesting in, in some ways that we're all like, yeah, I feel this way, I feel that way. But this 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 discussion was the exact kind of discussion I was hoping this episode would turn into. <laughs> As You're opposed welcome. to just yelling about Toby Hooper. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, pretty. That's my fault. Like I would own up to that. That, that, <laughs> no, that would be all no, my doing. That's, no, come on. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I think, uh, I mean, granted, I guess there are people listening that we might have just spoiled the others for. So if we did spoil the others for you, hey, watch it anyway and tell us what you think. Does it work and let's, if you know what's going to happen? And this wouldn't be an episode of Hard Business if we didn't add a little post-colonial sociological theory into it. I put to you that because this is set in England after, shortly after the Second World War... We are in the death throes of the British Empire. This movie is called The Others, okay? Mm. They are being threatened by The Others. Who are The Others? Brown people. Mm. Profound. <laughs> Profound. I think, you're, I think you're reaching a little bit, but... Not much. <laughs> Not by much. Well, I, will, I, I don't know that I would go with that. What I would say that it Not is... Not by much. It is revealing that, you're wor- that, that they're worried about outside forces, and then they are like the ghosts... Yeah, I think that works. I think that definitely works as an analysis, yeah. and, and it is very sort of post-colonial. I also think like the idea of this absentee dad. I mean, this is a very British thing, right? I, I think it's a little different in America, but in England, this whole feeling that like all the men are off at war because they are, right? If they're if they're not at a world war, they're off conquering some nation that England has no right to. So all the men are off fighting, and these pampered, uh, you know. They're not quite upper, upper class, right? Like, England has a very stratified society. So the richest of the rich, they don't go to fight in South Africa. They don't go to India. But the richest of the middle class, they're the ones that go, right? They're like Cecil Rhodes level rich. Right. Like, they they have... Uh, oh, good, good pool. You, you're go. thinking of that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am. Of uh, Behind the Bastards, which I will recommend to everyone. The Cecil Rhodes episode is unbelievable. But uh, the idea is here, they have money... They're not poor, but you know they, they definitely have a, a lot of money and privilege. But they're not like royalty; like they don't have they don't have titles. You know they're 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 well off, and for whatever reason, those are the people out fighting. Whether it's colonial, whether it's world wars, whatever it is, and so this idea that these pampered, somewhat fragile uh, wives, often subject to bad medicine like a, a lot of people suffering from probably just uh something like depression are given all manner of fucked up shit that 
makes things worse. And half I, the kids are fucking tubercular, whatever that is. Oh yeah, <laughs> all manner of of straight. You know, you're, you're, at least one kid has died of smallpox. You know, like there's this whole idea that there's this this thing going on where we you've been left alone to your own devices and something's going to go wrong i think that taps something very visceral in 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 the english psyche mm. that and your dad's a time lord it's got to fuck you up man <laughs> good again another good reference another good reference well like i said i don't love the i don't love the others josh loves it justin is not into it I still think it's worth checking out. I think if uh, yeah. if you haven't seen it, but uh, you know, if you're out there and you're like, "Yo, I just rewatched it and I still love it," we'd love to hear why. What what is it about it that works for you? I actually don't give a fuck what you think. So no, it's fine. It's fine. All right. So I, is is that all, is that all for the others? I think so. I think I'm so, good with right? it. Yeah. Well, I, I think then we can wrap up part one of the. Of the third Cinepunk's hard business crossover, Snicked. I'm Wolverine. You just killed my fucking family, Hulk. Now you're going down, motherfucker. All right, that was that was a lot. But uh, hey, Josh, thanks. It's old man Logan. That was old man Logan. Uh, Josh, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. You guys are, we the, wanna, you are the fucking man. We want to remind everyone to check out Essex Coffee Roasters and Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations and check out our Patreon. Uh, and thank you so much for listening and for all your support. Yes. Fuck Donald Trump. Vote next week. Get him the fuck out of there. I agree. I agree. And then and then later, fuck Joe Biden and we need to march on Washington <laughs> to make our demands met. Doesn't it suck that whoever wins, we're probably still going to have to go march anyway? It's just the life we live. Yeah. No, here's the thing. I don't I don't mind marching. I just don't want to get killed doing it. And I don't think Joe Biden will do that. Whereas I think Donald Trump might send actual stormtroopers after me. Yeah, I mean, regardless, we might end uh, the, the this is my thing is is the great irony of like the way things are going, we might end up uh uh fighting in a civil war on behalf of a dude who I think is probably a jerk off but <laughs> yeah. if if he wins the election and uh our man doesn't step out of the house and wants to make it a thing you know I mean I'll be a medic I'm not shooting anybody but uh but we're going to end up in a conflict of some kind you know and yeah and, and I have enough guns to be vigilante <laughs> I I am a proud I am a proud supporter of the second amendment I'm a radical gun owner I will fucking go to war <laughs> And I will dress your wound. <laughs> Thank you. And I, yes. Uh, All right. So should, that was that episode. Thank you so much, Josh. Head to cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast and many fucking others. And you should buy some shirts. We got lots of cool shirts for horror business, for cinepunks, for uh, the horror business. <laughs> cinepunks.com. A lot of great stuff. A lot of great essays. Tremendous essays. The best essays. Uh, I have an, an edition of... This Justin coming out soon about jump scares. If you don't like jump scares, you should read this list and be like, wow, he is, he, he sounds like he has a giant dick from all these like really cool jump scares he's bringing up. Oh my um, God. It's going to be a huge article. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about this. I cannot wait for you guys to read it. Anyway, cinepunks.com, xlvacx.com, head to www.essexcoffeeroaster.com. Um, and yes, if you're wondering, if you go there to make an order and you fuck up, Yes, you can start again with your order, and you can enter <laughs> Cinepunks in the promo code and get 10% off. I don't get Good night. it. All right.
Happy Halloween. Later. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!